stand with me and open your Bibles. I'm going to take you to the Old Testament, the original, the OG, OT. Just kidding. <laughs> and, well, I'm not kidding because it is, right? Go to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read it, and then I'm just going to read what the Lord has said to us today, okay? So I'm reading from NIV. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where, you're, where you set your foot, as I have promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And you can have a seat. <laughs> um, I like this picture. It's not the original one I picked because the picture I picked apparently was crashing the computer, um, which is totally appropriate. And so um, Christina said, I'll just pick something for you. But this one's even better, I think, because of the way it encapsulates what we're going to talk about. I'm going to sit so I don't fall over. <laughs> um, and I said, okay, no, I'm not, I don't want to preach. I'm not a preacher. Um, and then I said, no, thank you. And then I was folding laundry at work. And the Lord just spoke to me while I was folding laundry. See, because I was occupied, my mind was free for him to say something. And he said, tell them to be strong and courageous. And I was like, don't cry. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to look over here. Um, so I said, oh, be strong and courageous. And he's like, yeah, this is the word they need to hear. So this weekend is a holy weekend, I think because it's our Liberty Weekend. So I'm not going to really give a speech per se on liberty, but I think when we talk about the Israelites and um, them as a people and they're out of Exodus, right, they're moving into the promised land, I think that that has something to speak to us. So this is what the Lord has for us today. But I want to tell you a story about this young man. He was an ordinary man. The scriptures give us no indication of his appearance or his stature. But being ordinary did not preclude him from being used by an extraordinary God. 
Joshua was a young man born in captivity in Egypt. The only life he knew was that of slavery and hard labor. Then Moses freed the Jews and set them on the path toward the promised land. Joshua finds favor with Moses in his youth while they were wandering in the desert, likely after he had been seen guarding the tent of meeting in Exodus 33. When in his youth, he was passionate about the Lord. He had been recruited by Moses to be the second in command to lead and command the army in their first battle against the Amalekites after leaving Egypt. Joshua accompanied Moses to Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses and the Israelites his law. Joshua was a warrior, both for the people and for the law. In preparation for the conquest of Canaan, Joshua was given a new name by Moses. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that until I started researching. Moses is the one who changed his name, and I think there's something powerful about that. Names have meaning, and we'll see here. Moses was going to send Joshua out with 12 other spies on, to spy on this new land. And his name had been changed in Numbers 13, verse 16 from Hoshia, which means salvation, to Yehoshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. This makes Joshua the first person in the Bible to explicitly carry the divine name Yahweh. This name was likely given to him right before the 12 spies were sent into Canaan because Moses knew that the Lord must go with Joshua to protect him. I think this also alludes to his coming leadership, which we will see in chapter 1, as God commands him to lead the people and promises to be with him. While others were afraid and reluctant to enter the new land, Joshua knew that they must go forward into this new land. He and Caleb were the only two who gave an encouraging report of what the what they saw in Canaan. And because of this, they were the only two of their generation to enter the promised land. Can you imagine being the only one to see the possibilities which laid before them? He had seen God do many miraculous things in the wilderness, and now they were at the edge of the Jordan River. This brings us to our opening verse in chapter 1. Moses, his mentor, has died. But before he has died, the mantle has been passed in ritual ceremony to Joshua. This included the laying on of hands by Moses and an infilling of the spirit of wisdom. So that's what this picture is showing us here. Moses asked the Lord to appoint a successor because he knew that he would not be entering the land. He knew that the people needed a leader, and this was a divinely sanctioned leadership transition. Does that sound familiar? I was like, okay, God, we get it. Thank you. <laughs> we read about this transition of leadership in Deuteronomy 34 and Numbers 27. The book of Joshua in its introduction assumes that we know all of these things, so no time is spent in explaining it. The author gets right to the point. God speaks directly to Joshua and gives Joshua his first command. 
So we're going to look at verse 1 and 2 right now. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them, to the Israelites. God tells Joshua and the Israelites to get ready and go. They had wasted enough time getting here, and now it was time. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, the destination from where they were in Egypt to where they were going in Canaan was actually not something that would take 40 years. It was a short distance, but because they kept messing around and disobeying, they ended up having to wander for 40 years. So, enough time wasted. God says, get ready, go. God's direct command required urgent action on the part of the Jews and complete and immediate immediate obedience. They have not since had a strong track record of this immediate obedience, but as the story in Joshua unfolds, we will see that God is the one who guarantees their success. This story of Joshua chapter 1 sets the theme for the entire book, the theme of promise from God. God is the real hero of this story. He is presented as the one who keeps his promises and the one who is a promise maker, assuring his faithful servant of victory, promising his presence and their success. The measure of their success, however, is dependent upon Israel's ability to obey God and to keep his laws. He lays this out clearly in the opening chapter, and the theme is repeated throughout the book of Joshua. From their success of crossing the Jordan, the fall of Jericho, the covenant renewal of chapter 8, and the allotment of land, God even stops the sun to assure Israel's victory in Joshua 10, verses 12 to 15. Have you guys read that story? If you haven't, read the book of Joshua. It's amazing. So, I mean, just the fact that God stopped the sun. Has he stopped the sun for any of us? Maybe not yet, but maybe. Covenant obedience is what is reiterated in the close of the book of Joshua as the key to maintaining their land blessing in chapters 23 and 24, with Joshua's call to obedience and covenant renewal at Shechem in, verse, in chapter 24. And in verse 24, Joshua closes it with a declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he actually gives them a choice. Choose for yourself today who you will serve, right? He's not telling them. He's not bossing them. It's your choice. But we, we're going to serve the Lord. So this brings us to verse 3. God's first promise. That every place Joshua's foot touches will be given to him and thereby to the people. Just as he promised Moses in Deuteronomy 1.8, he is reminding and guaranteeing the people that the land is theirs. However, this time, they don't hesitate. With new leadership and a renewed sense of spirit, they are ready to go. Then God explains the territory boundaries in verse 4. And in verse 5, we see God's second promise. No one will be able to stand against you for your whole life. Did you know that Joshua was 110 when he died? 
This is a guarantee of protection for his entire term of leadership. Then God says again, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But this promise is demonstrated in an even greater measure because of Joshua's total obedience. Whereas Moses fell short, this is why Moses did not get to enter the promised land. Another promise, I will never leave you. Or in some translations it says, I will not fail you, nor will I forsake you. Now we come to my favorite part, what I want us all to focus on. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. God says to Joshua, you, you will possess the land. I swore it to your ancestors, and now it is yours. This is a reminder to Joshua of God's call to him in Deuteronomy 31, verse 23, where he said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, and I will be with you. In verse 7, he says it again but this time with emphasis. Be strong and very courageous. Act according to the law. Be careful to obey. God is telling them right here that if they are not careful to keep his law, they will not succeed. It will take courage and it will take strength to act in accordance to the law of Moses, and their victory will be in direct relation to their obedience. And then he tells them, stay straight. Do not turn from your left or to your right. This reminds me of Matthew 7, when Jesus says the narrow road, I mean, the road is narrow, which leads to life. Right? And he reiterates his promise that you will be successful wherever you go. In verse 8, he says, keep the law that you may prosper. Keeping the covenant meant loving God and others wholeheartedly, but remaining separate from whatever defiled. It was the command from God to be holy, and holiness was not just for Joshua, but for the whole united Israel as a sign of love. Verse 8, keep the law on your lips always. The law shall not depart from your mouth. And with his mouth, Joshua speaks for God and keeps the law throughout the conquest of Canaan to remind and to encourage the people in their holy obedience. Verse 8 also continues, Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything that is in it. This is likely God's way of encouraging Joshua and thereby the Israelites to incorporate the law into daily life and leadership. As we meditate on it daily, it becomes something that actually changes the way we live, the way we think, and the way we behave, which reminded me of Romans 12, a true and proper worship, to renew our way of thinking by scripture. And then God gives another promise. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, when God is promising prosperity and success, I imagine he is not just referring to the crossing of the Jordan, which is in our immediate context, but rather I believe he is alluding to their success in Canaan as a whole when dealing with other people groups. Think about what I mentioned before about being set apart and not letting the culture defile you. 
Now to verse 9. I just love the way that the author relates God's tone of voice in this verse. It's sort of like an exasperation, but it's also a reaffirmation as well. Sort of like a parent re-instructing a child after several occasions. Have I not commanded you? Can you just see God leaning down to his child? Maybe that's just relevant to me as a mom. I'm like, okay, God. (laughs) We're like your children. (laughs) He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What follows verse 9, Joshua goes to his people, he tells them God's plan, and leads them across the Jordan, then leads them in the conquest of Canaan. In this new land, they will experience God's blessing and become a source of blessing to others. The final verse of 18, uh, sorry, 16 through 18, are the response of the people. So since we didn't read that, let's take a look at that really quickly. They say to him, so this is the people responding to what Joshua told them just before they crossed the Jordan. They answered Joshua, wherever you or whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, and hopefully more so, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you command them, let them be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. No longer scared or uncertain, no longer willing to be disobedient. Their response is portrayed as one of an enthusiastic and eager obedience of all of Israel. A contrast from the first generation, we even read in Deuteronomy 126, if you've read that before, where Moses tells them, you were an unwilling people, you were unwilling to go, and you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. If we read the rest of the book of Joshua, we would see that wherever they have obeyed the Lord, they succeeded. And wherever they did not obey, as in the account of Achan in chapter 7, they failed. So the people respond to Joshua, We will do all you have commanded. We will go. Be strong and courageous. An echo of the Lord's promise back to Joshua. It is their resonance with God's promise. An assurance that they believe and they will obey. And when they cross the Jordan and conquer Canaan, it is the fulfillment of God's covenantal promise to the patriarchs and to their descendants, given a long time ago, and it was a long time coming. You see, this isn't just about Joshua and the Israelites. This is another fulfillment of covenant promise to all of God's people. From creation to the patriarchs, covenant. The exodus to Mount Sinai, covenant. Now the crossing of the Jordan and covenant renewal and all other Old Testament events which led to the arrival of the one who incarnate would fully dwell with his people, teach the people to obey, to love, to serve, to keep covenant with God's people, fully redeemed in a new promised land. 
where we will all be resurrected and united with him. And this is the kingdom present and yet to come. That's why I think it's so important to acknowledge Joshua's name change, because he was alluding to the incarnate one. So what does this mean for us? In our time of transition, not just personally here in the church, but also in the times we find ourselves living, I think God wanted to remind us today, just as he does throughout all Old Testament stories, of how he keeps covenant with his people, how he rescues and redeems his people. The promises for Joshua are our promises for today. I love the repetition that the author uses to really drive home God's command. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Keep the law. Your obedience determines your success. God is reminding us that we are his chosen people, and he loves us. He has redeemed us and equipped us, and he wants to assure us of victory through covenant relationships. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and he has called us to holiness and right living, just as God called the Israelite people who were living in Canaan. Covenant relationship is not just for ourselves, but so that we might invite others around us into covenant relationship with the Lord. In the final chapters of Joshua, the imagery of conquering the land is a symbolic indication of future land blessings. We see this in Joshua 23, 1-8. Joshua reminds the people to be strong, to obey the law, to stay separate, holy, or set apart, and to hold fast to the Lord. There is a reiteration of Deuteronomy 121. The Lord has given you this land, so go, take possession of it. Do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged. We need to see this, church. This is our land blessing. We need to see Orofino as our land blessing. We need to go. We need to go. How are we committed to what the Lord has offered us? How are we living among those around us? Are we inviting others to covenant relationship? Are we stewarding our land's blessings? We have been assured of victory. The battle is the Lord's. We need to live it. We need to believe it. We need to love God and his people. All people, not just the redeemed. Remember his command. Be strong and very courageous. And his promises for you. I will be with you. And finally, in the last verse I have for you from Psalm 31, 23-24. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him. Be strong and take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. Dear God, thank you so much for this word today for your people, for all of us. Help us, Lord, to be strong and courageous because it takes courage, especially in the times we're living in. But you have loved us enough. Help us to love others. Help us to take hold of this land blessing that you have given us. Help us to walk out into this world 
to shine the light of Christ Jesus and the love that you have offered us through covenant relationship. And please indwell in us your Holy Spirit. Keep us set apart. Protect us so that we may not be defiled by what the world has to offer. But make us set apart. Encourage us to holy living because, Lord, we know it takes courage to live a holy life and to live undefiled. Help us to be more like Joshua and less like the first generation. May we be your redeemed people and may people see you in us so that they may all come to know your loving and saving grace. In your name we pray.